Welcome to the August 30th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily radio show. We cover the biggest stories in Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day, forever. This is your host, Space Marine. And this is Space Cadet. What is up, everybody? Bitcoin is hovering around $7,000 this time of the evening. Space Marine. Affirmative Space Cadet. Bitcoin's had a choppy, turbulent day like it's flying through a thunderstorm. Before, Bitcoin was at about 71.50 at a peak about a day ago, and then it declined all the way to $6,800 on Bitfinex, which is the biggest USD exchange in the world for Bitcoin. And now it's up to 7,000, it's actually at 69.80 right now. There's some people saying it's gonna go up, and some people saying it's gonna go down. It could do either one, it could rain, it could be sunny. But, looking long term, there's a little skill to this. First off, Bitcoin rallied to its peak of $20,000 nine months ago. And now it's been declining since then. Now it's stabilizing. If you look at the long-term chart, like there's ripples in the chart, like long-term, but there's it's getting lower and lower, like the amplitude of the ripples. Like it went up to like 16,000, and then it went down to 6,000, and it went up to like 12,000, went down to 6,000, went up to 9,000, went down to 6,000. So these are the ripples. And right now, maybe it's on track to go up to like 7,000 or 7,500 where it is now, and then go back down to 6,000. Like it's pretty obvious when you look at the long-term chart. And basically, from my experience, I was in Bitcoin years ago. Back right, I joined Bitcoin right after the 2013 rally that brought it to $1,100. The bear market, I just did the calculation with Space Cadet. It lasted 22 months until the next real rally market started. The bear market lasted 22 months. This current bear market has only lasted nine months. And based on Bitcoin's past, this has actually happened multiple times. And each time there's a bear market, it lasts around the same amount of time almost two years and then it rallies to a new height much higher than before so i think this bear market could last a lot longer but it might not go down much more from here it might be stable for a long time so that's actually good this is kind of like how it works it's going to be stable for a long time like it's been getting quite stable compared to what it used to be earlier in the year and the stability is good for business it's good for people to hold it it's good for its use as a currency so people could build the infrastructure and the foundation for bitcoin and crypto technology and platforms and all that and not have to get burned by market fluctuations all the time. So that builds a nice infrastructure, which puts everything in place for a big rally. And some of the infrastructure we've talked about is like there's 466 crypto hedge funds, probably more by now. Like most of the crypto hedge funds have launched in the past year or two. So that's building the infrastructure for institutional investment. There's also Bitcoin ATMs, like five or 10 new Bitcoin ATMs are being installed every single day around the world. And there's over 3,600 now. When I wrote the article for it, it was 3,500 just to show how fast it's going. And I wrote that less than a month ago. So the Bitcoin ATMs provide a way for people to buy Bitcoin everywhere. Like they walk into a gas station and buy Bitcoin. And it's like a little, it's a little exchange that's like all over the world right now, these Bitcoin ATMs. And then there's also cryptocurrency exchanges that are getting better than ever. Like Coinbase has always been kind of easy to use. Not the best, but easy to use. There's Square Cash, which is extremely easy to use. There's tons of other crypto exchanges. They're also launching backed. The Intercontinental Exchange, which owns the New York Stock Exchange, is launching backed which is going to have physical Bitcoin futures and that'd be great for institutional investment. So like all this infrastructure is being built right now during this stable time. And eventually the rally will come. I don't know when it's coming. It probably won't exactly be 22 months since the last peak of the rally. It won't be. But I think there is a little more time left in the stable market before it starts going up a lot again. And that's actually a good thing. Like I'm saying, it provides stability. So people don't get burned. So And also, it's like right now, all the weekends, like that's an investing term, like the weekends, the one that drops the Bitcoin and sells it. 
when the crash happens, like all the weekends are pushed out of the market. Now it's like all the people that really like Bitcoin, they really, really like it. They know it's long-term potential and they're going to work hard on it instead of people that are just trying to make a quick buck. Those people are, have been pushed out of the market. They hate Bitcoin at this point. They lost a bunch of money this year. But now we've got the strong hands. I'm a strong hand. Space Cadet's a strong hand. That's right. Now for our first story. Another story from the Venezuelan country that smacks Bitcoin trading records. Space Marine, take us to the story. Affirmative Space Cadet. Venezuela has shattered their Bitcoin trading record, at least on local Bitcoins. Local Bitcoins is a great site for peer-to-peer trading. And in Venezuela, it's kind of what they have to do. There's, They actually launched a bunch of official government exchanges. We're not going to go into that, but there's like no official Bitcoin exchange there. Bitcoin's actually kind of like not really banned there, but it's really, really frowned upon. And it's kind of borderline illegal, even though people really need it there. But anyways, 506 million boulevards. And this is the new boulevard because they changed from the Boulevard Forte to the Sovereign Boulevard. The VES is the currency symbol now. And they chopped five zeros off of it to make the Sovereign Boulevard. So... 100,000 Boulevard Fortes equals one Sovereign Boulevard, and they've traded 506 million Sovereign Boulevards in the past. Well, this is the weekly figure, the weekly volume. And the previous all-time high before that was 176 million Boulevards. And actually, this is due to that currency switch I just talked about. This is happening at the exact time they switched from the Boulevard Forte to the Sovereign Boulevard. So... This is just indicating like there's a lot of uncertainty in Venezuela because it's a big deal when a country drops its currency. That's what happened. They changed the currency. It's still the boulevard, but it's like a different. They have to trade their notes in and such. They have to get the new one. And it's creating a lot of uncertainty. And also the inflation is actually higher than ever right now. Even for the sovereign boulevard, the inflation is higher than ever. So people are going into Bitcoin as a safe haven because Bitcoin, even though it's volatile, it's holding its value compared to like the sovereign boulevard or the boulevard in general. Bitcoin is more stable than the boulevard. Definitely. And then there's another story which I was reading about that's related to this. Venezuela has decided to peg the Sovereign Boulevard to the Petro. And Reuters did an investigative report. Reuters is a well-known international news source. They did an investigative report to see, like, hey, is the Petro actually, like, does it exist? Because, like, Venezuela says everything's pegged to the Petro. Like, the Boulevard is pegged to the Petro at a certain exchange rate. And it's backed by the Petro. And the Petro is supposed to be backed by oil. Reuters found that the Petro is not backed by anything. They found that there is some evidence that people did buy some Petro. Uh, but only $150,000 worth, maybe. And Venezuela is saying $3.3 billion USD of Petro was purchased. But they might be lying, based on Reuters' report. Reuters found that definitely $150,000 of it was purchased. But not just that. The people that did were able to purchase some Petro... They can't even trade it. They can't use it for anything. There's no exchange for it. So this Petro is like a dead cryptocurrency at this time. Venezuela is saying it's their national cryptocurrency and it's their national fiat currency is backed by it. But there is no evidence to indicate it's an active currency in any way. So this is quite interesting. And there's actually top government officials that admit that in the Reuters investigative report. And I'm going to write a story about this on Bitcoin News right after the show really breaking this down and going into detail from a crypto perspective because Reuters has like the political perspective mostly. I'm going to go into the crypto perspective and the technical details of how the Petro is really not backed by anything. It's not tradable. It's nowhere to be found. So it's quite interesting that this is going on. Now for our next story. We will be able to buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin through Yahoo Space. Maureen, take us through this one also. Affirmative Space Cadet. Yahoo Finance apparently sells stocks and stuff, and they're a great platform. It's kind of like Bloomberg. 
You can go on there and look at your stock prices, but they also been tracking the cryptocurrency prices like Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. And now they have buy and sell buttons. And they're probably just doing this for an exchange. I doubt Yahoo's actually holding Bitcoin and selling it to people. It's possible. I can't find the exact info right now, but I'm also going to run an article about this on Bitcoin news that you can read later. So, one person, Pompliano, Anthony Pompliano, the founder of Morgan Creek Digital, which is one of these crypto hedge funds, he says, you can now buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin in Yahoo Finance. The virus is spreading. And that's pretty much sums it up. Like, now we got a major platform for financial info selling Bitcoin. And everyone's saying, like, the Bitcoin exchange trade fund ETF was, like, so important. But this goes to show there's all sorts of other infrastructure that could be put in place. Like, now people can go on Yahoo Finance and buy Bitcoin or sell it. Or even Litecoin and Ethereum. And this is another good little piece of infrastructure. So that's, like, what's going to build the next rally. All these places to buy Bitcoin. So when the next rally happens, it'll be really easy for people to buy Bitcoin, like, in a lot of places. So when the rally does start, maybe, like, a year from now... Based on past trends, it would probably take another year to get to the rally. It could happen a lot sooner. Some people are saying it's going to hit 20000 before the end of 2018. I personally, my opinion is it's going to hit a million dollars. But this year, the next year, it's probably going to be really stable, around 6000 So, it's actually a good thing. This gives people time to buy it and learn about it and then buy it and get ready. Because eventually it will replace fiat currency due to all the money printing. And that actually goes into another thing, but it's not really related. So, I'm going to talk about the money printing first and how Bitcoin's going to replace fiat. Basically, governments can print money at will. Since the uh, Nixon shock when the Bretton Woods Agreement was abandoned, that essentially meant the Bretton Woods Agreement was that the U.S. dollar was pegged to gold. So if they printed a U.S. dollar, there was actually a dollar of gold backing it. And gold was a lot cheaper back then. So they had a lot of gold back in the U.S. dollar. And then every currency in the world, every single fiat pretty much, maybe there was like a few exceptions, was pegged to the U.S. dollar because it was pegged to gold. The Nixon shock, they abandoned the Bretton Woods Agreement. They said, we're just going to print money without backing it. And in other words, you could say, hey, we're going to just steal. <laughs> That's what they were doing. They're like, yeah, we're going to print this money without anything backing it. So that effectively steals from like everyone else that holds the dollar. And then all the other currencies became unpegged from the U.S. dollar at once. And it caused a lot of economic crises. Like Space Cadets from Argentina. And he lived through one of the currency crises in the beginning. He was there in the 80s. He just told me about it. He says the price of milk was going up like every single day. Do you want to expand on that? It was going up by about $3, and you can uh, definitely see the uh, inflation affecting the working class. Thanks, Space Cadet. Yeah, that was like less than 10 years, maybe about 10 years after the Nixon shock when he was in Argentina and the Argentinian currency was collapsing. And now this is happening around the world. Venezuela's currency is collapsing. We just talked about that. They're having an extreme hyperinflation. We didn't say the exact rate this time on the show we said it on a lot of past shows but it's over a hundred thousand percent inflation per year now and it's going towards a million percent iran's having really bad inflation turkey's having really bad inflation greece is having really bad inflation so a lot of countries are having currency collapses because this bread and woods agreement that was very very good for the world was abandoned just for the purpose of printing money to steal so that's awful that this had to happen fiat currency could have definitely worked fine if it was backed by gold but it's not anymore it's backed by nothing it's backed by the demand from people for it, but if they print a lot of it, the demand goes down. That's what's happening. They're printing so much. Yeah, there's demand for these dollars, because that's all we have to buy groceries with, pretty much. But like, if you soak the market with dollars, the demand goes down. This is how it works. The price of them, the value of them, like the amount of milk you can buy of each dollar, it goes down. That's how it's going. It definitely creates a negative domino effect. And now to go into a currency-printed story. India considers... Rupee-backed digital currency to combat rising fiat costs. 
Thanks, Space Cadet. And what this means is India is trying to create a national cryptocurrency because they're spending so much money on printing money that they they want to just do it for free. So like they, they have to have the printing press, the paper, the ink. And they're printing tons of money like everyone else because they have to print tons of money. Like the governments have to print tons of money to run a country in this sort of economy. Like the whole U.S. budget's totally built on money printed. So is India probably. And they're printing so much money it's costing them so much that they're saying, hey, we can just make a national cryptocurrency and then we can hit a button and we print the coins. So even though national cryptocurrency sounds good, it make, might make it worse because like instead of having to actually go through the trouble of buying the paper and the ink and the, having the printing press and paying the employees, it takes some time to print money. They could just hit a button if they do this. They'll hit the button and print like a billion rupees at once all the time. And so it, they'll get addicted to that. I mean, imagine if you had a button where you could print a billion dollars. That's what they're going to have if they do this. So that's one of the downsides of a national cryptocurrency. A national cryptocurrency would be a great thing if it was like Bitcoin. Bitcoin, you can't print it. It's It has a fixed supply. It is printed by mining, but there's a fixed supply. And mining will eventually go to zero. And it's already approaching that. There's already 17.5 million Bitcoins out of the 21 million possible Bitcoins. And there's not going to be more than 21 million Bitcoins. So there's less than 20% of the supply of Bitcoins is going to be mined throughout the next 100 years. There's not that much printing. If you make a national cryptocurrency, you could specify its parameters. And any national cryptocurrency is going to have a printing button. Like, literally, there's not going to be mining. The government's just going to be like, we're printing a billion of these coins at once because we need the money. And then they're going to get addicted to that. Whoever's in charge of that... We'll do it whenever they can. And it could actually accelerate a currency collapse, this sort of thing. So, India is considering that, and I see it's more of a negative thing than a positive thing. It could be positive if they do it right, but they're saying they're doing it to lower printing costs for money. So they're saying inherently, yes, this currency will be able to we'll have control of printing it. It's going to be centralized. So I don't see any good in that, but it's interesting. That's one of the dark uses of cryptocurrency. And I said this somewhere on a past show, but it's like nuclear technology nuclear energy had the potential it still does to provide like really cheap energy without hurting the environment if you do it right but then they built nuclear weapons out of it they've turned the nuclear technology from an energy producing thing for peace to a thing that could destroy an entire city cryptocurrency is not that drastic but it's like you could use things that are powerful cryptocurrency is powerful and nuclear is powerful you use them for good and evil so that's what's going on here. Governments are finding spins on cryptocurrency to use them for evil. I guess you could even say, hey, Venezuela is using the petrol for evil right now if they're really lying about these things like Reuters thinks they are. I can't say that for sure. It's kind of speculation, even though there's some evidence now that they're lying. But yeah, Venezuela is using the cryptocurrency name for evil, even though they don't even know how to use cryptocurrency apparently, but they're just using it as like an evil thing to trick the people into thinking that the currency's backed by oil now. Because that's what they're saying. If, if the boulevard is pegged to the petro, that means the boulevard is pegged to oil. But then Reuters actually went to these sites where, like, Venezuela specified a certain area where the oil was supposed to go for the Petro coin. They went there and they said there's no sign of it. The people in charge of the oil there. They said there's no sign of that Petro coin. So that's like a little off topic, back to the topic before. But there now... Might, there might not be using it at all. I agree, Space Cadet. I don't think they're using it. So now for our final story. Storing private keys in DNA. Interesting, Space Marine. Affirmative Space Cadet. DNA actually has the potential to be used as a memory storage device because DNA encodes our entire body. Like DNA is actually a form of memory. And uh, basically, normal memory is done in zeros and ones binary, but DNA has four different elements 
A, G, C, and T, and these represent like amino acids or something like that, like little organic molecules. And that's all DNA is made up of these four elements. And then when you have RNA, that's made up of another one called U. But anyways, DNA has four things and binary has zero and one. So they can actually transpose binary into DNA. And what this company is doing is they are making synthetic DNA and then storing Bitcoin or crypto private keys into it. And this company is called Carver. And they're making synthetic DNA and they're charging people $1,000 to make private keys for them. And then you have to store this in your freezer, apparently, because it could de decay faster if it's exposed to heat or light. So I think this is actually way worse than just storing it in a hard drive. Because, by the way, a private key is very, very small. It's like a kilobyte? Maybe bytes. It's like less than a kilobyte. And, like, our, our storage drives are terabytes, for example. Like, in my pretty decent computer, it's a terabyte. But here's the thing about DNA. There is one positive thing about DNA, but it's not really applicable to the private keys because you don't need that much space for a private key. You don't need something else besides a hard drive. So DNA could actually store 215 petabytes of information into one gram for synthetic DNA. 215 petabytes. A petabyte's a thousand terabytes. So that's like a thousand of my pretty good computer times 215. And one gram of DNA, which is probably very small. It's like a little, little vial in your freezer. So like you could probably store the entire internet on like maybe like 10 grams of DNA or something like that. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's a cool use of it. And that would be good to have in like a national laboratory somewhere to store up the whole internet, all the info ever. But for, but for private keys, that like if one thing is changed in the private key, like if one letter is off, why would you want to store it in a medium like DNA where if like a, a light photon, like one photon of light hits the DNA sequence, it'll alter it or something? Why would you want to store it like that? So like, yeah, you expose it to sunlight for like a minute or even like it's a little hot in your freezer for a minute or something over the course of time. And, like, it alters or something. Or even if, like, a bacteria gets in that vial and starts, like, mating with the DNA or whatever it does. Like, what would happen to your private key? It would probably get destroyed. So I don't think this is a great idea, but it's interesting. I like the concept. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I think it's a cool concept. And, like, apparently 28 people have bought this $1,000 service for the private keys so far. So that's interesting. Yeah, you can now store your private keys in DNA. And also, here's another benefit. Um, if someone steals the DNA sequence of the private keys... They'll have to have some really advanced technology to decode it because basically the company Carver that's selling this knows how to decode the DNA and it takes like really advanced equipment to turn into a private key. But if someone steals it, they're going to have no idea what to do with it. They probably won't even know it's a private key. So that's an interesting use. I think an even better use for the DNA technology that they have is if they start the entire Bitcoin blockchain on it because right now... As me and Space Cadet both know, it takes like months to download the Bitcoin blockchain. Imagine if you could somehow like take a little vial of DNA and like upload it to your computer somehow if they had technology for that. I bet they do. I bet whoever has this technology has a thing you can plug it into your computer. So that'd be a good use. You could have a little vial with the whole Bitcoin blockchain on it and just like put it under your computer somehow. That's a good use. So this is interesting technology. It's futuristic and creative. That's all we have for you today on this August 30th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily radio show. Go to BitcoinNews.com 24-7 for all the latest on Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency. If you read BitcoinNews.com, you will be an expert because it has the full spectrum of news in this field. This is Space Marine signing out. I'm going to Venus tonight. I hope I don't get overpressurized. I heard it's really hot there. And this is Space Cadet. Thanks for listening. I think I'm going to join you, Space Marine. Adios, Adios amigos. amigos.